continuing on in this sermon series called Clearing Up the Confusion. It's really just a series looking at God's will. How do you determine, how do you discern God's will for your life? And I say that because I think there's a lot of times in our life where we're just we're unclear which way God's taken us. Scripture gives us so much direction. As you go through the pages, there's so much in there, but there's just some times where there could be various things in front of us that could both be God's will, and it's, it's trying to discern which one He wants us to go. And so today I want to continue on in this series, taking a look at this idea of God's will by taking a look at the question, how do you know which way to go in life? And I say that because as you take a look around our culture, there's this, this huge yearning, to be honest, this huge yearning to try to figure out what the future is going to bring. And so people are trying all sorts of things like palm readings and fortune cookies, calling psychic hotlines. I, I was reading recently that some of the psychic hotlines make over a million, over a million dollars like every week because people are calling in, putting in their coins. You got other things that people are looking to, objects like crystals, all trying to discern what the future holds, all trying to figure out what comes next. Remember my last church, I was talking with a guy and, and he was all freaked out because his, his uh, fortune teller, her psychic, was going on vacation and he didn't know what to do. And he was a member of the church. I said, well, I know, why don't we, why don't we turn to God? You know, and we kind of talked through that a little bit. And he had never before realized that they were they were not congruent, right? That they, that they were kind of opposite each other. One was seeking God through trust and the other was trying to discern through manipulation, try, trying to figure out what was going to come next. He didn't realize that there was an act of unbelief even. So people today are looking for all sorts of things. And the problem is, is when you look at the wrong things, you tend to get the wrong results. So this morning I want to take a look at this whole idea. How do you get guidance for your life? The way I want to kind of talk about this this morning is I want to give you four just unreliable sources of guidance, uh, ways that our society is bought into, all four of them, ways that complicate us, ways that give us the wrong result lots of times. And then I want to talk to you lastly about, you know, the only, or the only reliable or the most reliable source of, of guidance that God gives, and that's obviously his word. So let's start with the first part. What are the unreliable sources of guidance that we buy into? Well, one of the first ones, and you'll and you just kind of, you know, as you think about these, you'll, you'll understand how many of us do these things. But one of the first things, culture. Culture is a hugely unreliable source of guidance because a lot of people base their lives on this idea that if everybody is doing something, it must be okay, right? Go with the flow. If the crowd does it, fine. Most people operate under the principle, don't rock the boat. It's the American way, right? Let the culture determine your value system. Every year, the U.S. News and World Report used to put out an article on what's in and what's out so you could know exactly if you're in or out of style, which is important because we get our truth from, you know, U.S. News and World Report, right? But I say that because Christians automatically accept so many of the standards of our world that God say are just plain wrong. I mean, you look at the world stance on just things like homosexuality and abortion. Our culture says one thing, but Scripture says an entirely different story. Again, they're not the same. They're, they're complete opposites of each other. But I can't tell you how many people I walk into, Christians as well, that just believe it's okay now because, you know, our society has says it's okay now, even though God says it's not. You know, so much did this bother Paul that he said in Romans 12 too, he says this, don't be conformed to this world around you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or again, from Exodus 20, verse 3, Moses is talking to the people, and he says, don't follow the crowd in wrongdoing. And so he says, just don't let culture be your guide. More and more, we are living in a society that has taken God out of its, of its kind of parameters. I mean, you have lawsuits against courts for having the Ten Commandments up in the front yard. No longer do we want to bring God into the picture as a society. In, in, in the boomer generation, 97 
plus percent of the people, of the boomers, have been to church at least once. The statistic goes to under 50% for Gen Xers. That's who I am. And then it's even worse for the millennials behind it. In one generation, then, the, the boomers left the church and took their kids with them. We have put God out of the equation, so more and more our culture is saying things that Scripture simply is not. And so that's why culture is first and foremost an unreliable source of God's wisdom and guidance. But there's others, too, that are horrible sources. Another one is circumstances. Think about the people that use circumstances. Circumstances are a hugely unreliable source of guidance. But I'm amazed at how Christians allow circumstances to determine their life. It must be God's will that I don't go to church today. My alarm didn't go off and I slept in. It must be God's will, right? Well, it must not be God's will for me to go to the airport because we hit too much traffic. Never mind, I left late. But we hit too much traffic and it must be not be God's will that I not go on this trip. Or it must be God's will because they skipped my row when they were doing the tithes and you know, offerings. And so it must be God's will that I don't give today. It's like God's way of saying thank you for all the other times I give. It must be God's will. See, we take whatever happens, no matter how horrible, no matter how crazy it is, and we blame it on God, and we say, it must be God's will. It must be God's will that my wife left and, and ran off with the plumber and, and took the kids with him and took all my money. It must be God's will that that happened. No! It's Satan's will. She sinned, right? It didn't actually happen. I'm just using a story. But anyway, the reality is, not everything's God's fault. You know, but we say, just because it happened, it must be God's will. We take whatever it is, we say, it's got to have been God's will. The scripture report repeatedly points out that circumstances are often completely different from what God has in store. I'll give me an example in the book of Jonah. Jonah, if you remember the story, he was in the belly of a whale, those kind of things. He was obviously doing the, the exact opposite thing that God wanted him to do. In Jonah 1.1, it just starts off the story by saying this, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. It says, Go to this great city, Nineveh, and preach against it, because its wickedness had come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. See, the, the backstory of that is that he had heard previously from the Lord in a different prophecy that Nineveh was going to destroy Israel. He was an Israelite. He didn't want to go preach to the Ninevites. He didn't want them to get better. He wanted them to be destroyed. He didn't want to be destroyed by them. So he ran. If you know geography, Nineveh was to the east and Tarshish was about as far west as you could go. It was a seaport on the coast of Spain. In the known world at that time, it was as far west as you could possibly go. It was as far away as you could possibly go from what God wanted them to do. The story picks up and it says, Then he went down to Jaffa, the town where he, had found, where he found a ship bound for that port. He probably said, That must be God's will. I mean, what are the odds they're going to Tarshish? This is amazing. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And just, here's just an example of how circumstances can often be contrary to God's will. Jonah's running away from the Lord, right? Goes down to Jaffa, and there's a ship sailing for Tarshish. In those days, ships didn't leave every hour or so. I mean, every six months or so, one would roll in, and there was no guarantee it was going to go back out anytime soon. It's not like it is today where you go to Sky Harbor and you miss one flight, you can get the next flight in an hour or two. It just wasn't that way. And so it was rare, to be honest, that there happened to be a ship going that direction, that far, that he happened to have the, the fare for the ship, and that there happened to be room because the ship was leaving that day. Must be God's will, right? All the things are pointing in that direction. And yet in life, circumstances can sometimes lie. In fact, even Satan can manipulate circumstances, and so can other people. And so you have to be wary of relying just on circumstances to dictate your future. You also, and I say this because we always don't go to the right places, but you can't trust counsel all the time either. 
you're going to get counsel, God says at least go to the right sources. But there's just so much bad advice floating around these days. You look at books, magazines, television shows. But if you really want some horrible advice, go to a, a magazine like The Cosmopolitan. I don't know if they still make that or what, but it, I was in a, um, a dentist's office a few years ago, and I was reading through it. I came across this headline. It was so bad that I wrote it down. It says, Why Everybody Needs an Affair. I mean, that's just horrible advice. It's horrible advice for your marriage. It's dumb in every possible way. But there it was on the cover. In Psalm 1-1 it says this, Blessed or happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. God says, go ahead and get advice. Go ahead and get counsel. That's what Proverbs says. The man who has more counselors, the better, right? But make sure you're getting it from the right place, from the right source. Make sure you're getting it from God's word. It bothers me that we have so many Christians today going to non-Christians for advice. Somebody will go to counseling. I'll say, that's great. Is it a Christian counselor? And they'll say, no. And I say, why not? I say, oh, I don't know. I just didn't get around to it. Or I didn't think they'd be as good or whatever. And I, I said, but this guy doesn't have the resources or the spiritual insights that you need. See, if you're having a hard time, you need somebody who's going to draw you to Jesus, not away from him. And yet that's so often what we do when we don't actually want to hear what God's advice is or we don't want godly counsel. We'll go to somebody else because we want somebody to say to us what we want them to say, right? And so we go and search with somebody who will tell us what exactly it is that we want to hear. And I promise you, if you keep looking, you'll find that person. I share this every once in a while, but I knew a lady one time and she was leaving her husband to go off with the alcoholic maintenance man at her work and said, makes us dumb, right? But she, she wanted to leave and she came to me to get her, my blessing, I guess. And I said, no, what you're doing is adultery. It's sin. It's not what God's plan is. But she goes, I just feel like it's right. And I said, you're wrong. So she didn't believe me and she went to another pastor in our area over at Christ. She went to two of them over there and, and, and both of them said, no, what you're doing is wrong. It's adultery. Stop your sitting and turn back to God. She kept looking until finally the tenth person that she finally found a, a liberal Methodist pastor that says, well, if you don't love them anymore, then it's okay. The reality is if you keep looking, you'll find somebody who will tell you what it is that you want to hear. It doesn't mean it's scriptural. It doesn't mean it's from God. It just means there's a lot of people that have walked away from him. And so as far as horrible guides, the culture is horrible. The circumstances are horrible. So often counsel is horrible. And the last one, this might surprise you, is our conscience. Our conscience, too, can be an unreliable source of guidance. I think this is, I say that because I think this is the most common mistake amongst Christians. We say things like, like, let our conscience be our guide, right? But the reality is, my conscience has told me to do a lot of pretty crazy things that, that aren't God's will at all. My conscience, to be honest, when it's not being buffeted by God's word, can get pretty self-seeking and pretty self-centered. It can tell me to do all sorts of things that aren't helpful, and what's crazy about that, if you're not tuning it into God's Word on a regular basis, people will base their decisions upon how they feel as if it's an unbiased, objective standard for living. But we do. We live in this postmodern society. I know people glaze over when I say postmodern, but it just means that we are a society that's driven by our feelings. If it feels true for me, it must be true. No matter there might be an objective standard over here that says it's not, it's true for me. And you hear people saying it that way. We're driven by emotion. We're driven by feelings. We're not driven by an objective standard. And yet God says, I'm an objective standard that you can stand on. I'm going to be true no matter how you feel, no matter what you had the night before. I mean, I'm always going to be true. People say, I had a peace about it. How could it be wrong when it feels so right? Or just the opposite. You've heard this. I couldn't get any peace about it, so I didn't do it. doesn't mean it's not always 
false. It doesn't mean that sometimes it's not driven by God's word, but a lot of times it is. Feelings lie. Yet the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, something that clarifies this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then it says this, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But what does it mean, and lean not on your own understanding? He's just saying, does that mean just kind of put your mind in neutral and start chanting? No, no. God says use common sense. What he's saying is that you need more than just your conscience as an objective standard for life. It needs to be based on something, not just raw emotion. I've had a lot of people come to me and say stuff like this, but it feels so right. And I said, but it can't be. Look what the Bible says. You're in conflict. And so what can we rely on? If all those things are are kind of shifting sands, then what is the reliable source? And God says over and over, it's my word. We just sang a song, but this is actually from Psalms. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It gives us guidance. It shines light where there's darkness. We're going to do a baptism in a little bit, and we're going to light a candle. And God says, he's the light of the world, so we light this candle to say he's the one that helps us get through a very dark place, a very dark world. And when I don't know where to go, God gives us direction. He gives it to us in his word. And so if you look at his word, there's three things that you can always count on. They're 100% true all the time. And, that's these, and I'll give you the first one. The first one is simply this, that God's will is always found in God's word, always. Most of God's will, to be honest, is already revealed. You go to scripture and you can find answers to 95, 99% of all your struggles. He's not going to tell you whether to get the red or blue car, I guess. But the, but the rest, a lot of it's in there. As we read God's word, he speaks to us. That's what he promises. It's not this mystical kind of seance kind of thing. He just speaks to us. David Allen once said this. He says, when you open your Bible, God opens his mouth. When you close your Bible, he closes his mouth. That's why life gets more complicating when we're not in his word. I'll just speak personally. When I'm in his word and doing devotions on a regular basis, I'm able to handle so much more have so much more patience, endure so many more trials, able to just deal with life in a better way than when I'm not in his word. When I'm not in his word, I'm a basket case of stress and worry and anxiety and all those kind of things. And so it's not just that he gives us peace, it's also where he gives us guidance. God speaks through his word. The motto of the Detroit Bible College is this, discovering God's will by studying God's word. People say, I want to know God's will. My question to them is, are you in his word then? Are you checking out what the word has to say about this? Or are you just basing it on how you feel? I say that because the Bible directs us. That's God's promise to us. He directs us in four ways. He gives us direction through principles. He gives us direction through promises. He gives us direction through through examples of people in the Bible. He gives us direction through commands. And one of those things, I promise you, somehow is going to give you insight into whatever it is that you're struggling with in terms of the future, in terms of knowing which way to go forward. But you've got to spend time. You've got to know his word. And another thing that's absolutely always true, and that's that God's will will never contradict God's word. You know, many people say, I just had this impression. You know, I know know it's not in God's word, but I had this impression. Well, don't do it. If it goes against God's word, you can know that you're wrong. It's like that lady I said, or that guy came to me and says, I know it's God's will that I leave my wife and run off with my secretary. I said, no, it's not God's will. It's called adultery. It's one of the big ten. You're sinning. Your feelings are lying to you. But I had this impression, you know. That's how a lot of cults get started. I had this impression. I know it's not in God's word, but I get this impression that we should all drink Kool-Aid, right? And that's how problems start. At the end of the scriptures, good, some of you got that. That's right. In Revelation 22, verse 18, God gives us this warning. 
I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away words from this book, God will take away from him his share of the tree of life in the holy city, which is described in this book. God's saying, don't mess with my book. Don't tamper with my words. God will never contradict what he has already said. And you have a huge culture around us that keeps taking things out of God's word or pretending that God didn't mean them when they first were written. A whole bunch of churches that are basing themselves on things that are antithetical or opposite of what God's calling us to do. Similarly, couples will come to me and say, well, it feels so right. I say, but it can't be. Look at what God's word says. It says you're sinning. And the last thing you can always know that's 100% true is this. God expects me to obey his word before he shows me a specific will. People say, I want to know if I should change jobs. I want to know if I should date the redhead or the, or the brunette. And I mean, we always want to know these things that are, you know, from God, these kind of special things from God. But the weird thing about God is he keeps bringing us back to the basics. He says, well, first, why don't you see if you can do what I've already said? that you do get. The key to understanding God's purpose and plan for your life is doing what you already know is God's will. And there's a lot of things that we already know are God's will that that we struggle with, to be honest. But you start doing what's already there. And as you begin to do His revealed will, you'll begin to understand His concealed will. I mean, that's the way God works. You begin to do and act on things that aren't so clear and plain, and you begin to understand things that aren't so clear and plain. Mark Twain once said this, It's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things that I do understand that bother me. Because most of Scripture is pretty clear, pretty plain, pretty easy to understand. And so God says you start with the stuff that you already know, and then you will get into the other details of your life, and I'll begin giving you guidance and direction as you go through my pages. You start by saying, what does God say is already his will? And some of the things in the Bible, can we know are his will without even praying about it? Yeah. There's seven times in the New Testament where he says, this is my will. I encourage you to look through those things and study them, but let me just give you one to start with. It says it's God's will that you have eternal life. I think that's cool. It's part of why we call it the good news. God loves us so much that he wants us to be with him in heaven. It's an amazing thing. But he says, this is my will. And John, it says, or Jesus says in John, my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. So how do you get eternal life? By being good? No. Going to church? No. By being baptized? No. But by believing and looking on the Son, or by looking at the Son and believing in him. That's the starting point. And if you haven't settled that, I invite you to do that today, to, to make that fact in your life, to make that true of you, to believe in Jesus, to put your faith and your trust in God, the God who loves you. For when you embrace that reality, what you begin to realize is that you have a God who loves you and who has shared with you that you are forgiven because of his son Jesus and that he has purpose for your life. Then you have the starting point for how to make sense of your life and what direction it is that he wants you to go, because it's always been based on that relationship, that process, is where we truly begin to understand, right, God's will for our lives today. And so if you want to know which way to go, the answer is you follow Jesus. And and you'll always end up in the right place. You know, I know there's lots of things that we struggle with, and and, and lots of decisions that we have that we lay before us in different ways. And and my call to you is just to, to keep going back to the basics to go back to what God has shared, to go back to the truths that you know. And as you do that, God will bring clarity to your decisions ahead.
invite you to think upon such things today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.